Hello and thank you for joining us on the Praise Christian Center podcast. I am Pastor Kofi Banfo and I'm here with my wife Jane. We hope you enjoy today's message and are blessed by it. Please remember to connect with us on social media and through our website. Enjoy. So if you've been here for the last four sessions, today is my session number four. I've been teaching a series that I have titled, Staying Peaceful in Our Times. Staying peaceful in our times. And I shared in the first service that I was, I'm so excited about this teaching because I had shared with my husband, you know, Pastor Kofi, that he asked me what was on my heart a few, several months ago. And I told him that when we're done with the relationship thing, I want to teach on peace. And I want to teach on something that combats anxiety, stress, and worry. That was what I, was, I sensed in my heart. And I was scheduled to start the teaching on the 4th of June. And then the 3rd of June, terror attacked our city again. And I was so angry with the devil. But so this sermon and these teachings, they're not reactionary. They're response. Because our father, the God, who is a God of war, knew that our city was going to be touched. God knows that we're going to be attacked. But he wants his people. He wants the church no matter what is happening in our city, in our world, and whatever is happening in your life, your business, whatever you are touching in this season, he wants you and I to remain still, calm. One translation in the Amplified says, you stay cool, calm, and collected. So open your hearts with me, and I'm going to teach today on something I've titled, How to Stay in Peace and Carry Your Sword. Hence, my husband's samurai swords here, which he doesn't trust me with. I am not very good with knives and swords. You should witness me cooking. I am fierce, I've told you. I just chop, and I cut some of my fingers off. You might have eaten my fingers before, if I'm kidding, if you have eaten my food. But I am fierce with knives. I have so many cuts. So I am a real warrior. But the Holy Spirit, did I handle the swords well in the first service? Yeah. Yes, the Holy Spirit will help me. But before I do, come with me in your Bibles, please, church. And welcome to you listening by live streaming as we get to my foundational text, John 14, 27. How to stay in peace and carry your sword. Now do a quick review from last week, and then we'll jump into today's. John 14, 27. I'm teaching out of the Amplified Version of the Bible. I read, peace, Jesus says, Said, I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. And we've established in the last four weeks as I've been teaching that Jesus made a deposit. He left the believer an inheritance of peace in our hearts. But in order to access that peace, you have to, you must crave and you must pursue that peace. Because even though it's part of your inheritance and my inheritance as a believer, we have an enemy and we are in a battle. Who doesn't want you to access peace? Because you see, peace. We read three weeks ago from Colossians 3.15. It's soul harmony. Peace is tranquility. Peace is an absence from fears. So it's not that fears are not in your life or my life, but the peace that Jesus Christ bequeathed into the heart of every believer means that no matter what is thrown in your world, in your family, that peace holds you up. Amen. So because of the peace, I read the second part. He then says, because of that, do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, 
and unsettled. There are things that come against your faith and my faith. There are things that come against our families. But Jesus said that do not allow your heart, which is your center, which is where you navigate your life out of. He said, don't allow it to become unsettled. It means that there are things that will come to try and make you fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. And what he's saying is that whatever happens, draw on the peace that I left with you. You know, I've been sharing that the peace, he said, my own peace. That means that the very peace that as I walked the world with, <laughs> the very peace that he walked the world with is that same peace. Am I moved? Then don't be moved. The same peace that he walked the world with is what he deposited in your hearts. <laughs> this word is working. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I have a big voice. I can minister without sound. You stay peaceful. He said, don't allow yourselves to be agitated, disturbed, irritated. He says, the peace I leave with you. I shared two weeks ago on the thieves of peace, anxiety, worry. That anxiety and worry have an emotional component. The anxiety is what a future-focused emotion. And I share that when we are anxious or we are worried, sometimes it has that, those feelings like what we call panic, where you're stressed out, where you're afraid something is going to happen to you. And I shared using my own life about how I navigated fear more than 20 years ago in my life. Fear of the, of the motorway, fear of the road due to a car accident. How I would just still stay in my emotions, stay with it. Declaring the word that God, your glory goes ahead of me. God, your glory is behind me. God, you are in me through the Holy Ghost. You are, I am all around. Peace is like a wall of protection that surrounds the believer. And, and when you stay in that place, nothing moves you. And I saw this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, the great American poet. And he said, a hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is brave five minutes longer. And I thought about what I had shared with you, that no matter what is happening, it's like what Pastor Kofi shared at the beginning of the service, Psalm 23, which we shared three weeks ago. It, though I walk, though I walk through the valley, you still keep moving. Of the Amplified says, the sunless valley of the shadow of death, you will be with me. And so what? You keep walking and walking. Because the enemy wants to stop us. And, and all you do is five minutes more, if you can stay with it. And five minutes more, that's heroes. That's the only difference. But you and I are able to walk also because of the Holy Spirit. Because before Jesus said those words, in verse 26, which we looked at, he also said, but I will ask the Father, and he will send you another. And that I, I shared last week that the role or the functions of the Holy Spirit within. He is what? A counselor. Oh my goodness, he is a comforter. He will comfort and fortify your heart. Oh, he's a strengthener. He says, stand by. He's an advocate. He will speak for you, child of God. He's an intercessor. He will pray for you when you can't pray. And he will always be there. Jesus said, in my stead. So because of what is in you, he says, don't allow your heart to be troubled. Don't let anything, he said, agitate you. Don't be intimidated by anything. So last week, if you were here, if you were not here, it's okay, it's cool. Am I angry? No. I talked about anger last week. And I, I, I was racing through my last few points. I want to just quickly go over that on anger. Because when the scripture I just read says, don't allow anything to irritate you. 
That's how anger starts. And we read Ephesians 4.26 last week by way of review. And it says, when angry, not if. That means you're going to be angry. I'm going to be angry. It says, when angry, do not what? Sin. That means anger is inevitable in our lives. And I gave you a three-stage, three key stages of anger. There could be some in between. But the first stage of anger is aim. That's when you, the emotion of anger starts to rise up in you. Somebody has violated you. Somebody has said a word that has upset you. Somebody has done something. And the emotions start to rise. And what did I share? And I brought my frying pans and, 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 and my husband's gun. It's a fake gun, by the way, anyway. No way we can have anything like that in our house, the way I function. I might shoot somebody, you know, who I love. It might not be. I'm kidding. Oof. Anyway, and that the, before you get to stage two, which is rage, that if you can slow yourself down and ask yourself, what is happening here? And this takes practice, by the way. It takes practice. And I read with you in, um, from Genesis how when Cain killed his brother Abel, when God came in the scene, God said to him, what is it? Another way of describing anger is that anger is personal pain. It is. So when you are angry, ask yourself, what is it that is paining you? As they say in my country, or what hurts? Because God didn't need the answer. He's God. He's all-knowing. He said, Cain, what is it? Because Abel brought a, a, a good offering. What is it that is? So the pain, God, is what needs to come out, not the anger. Let's look at James 1.19. This is how you slow yourself down so you don't get to rage. That's the second stage of anger. When you get to rage, you're looking for a weapon, as I demonstrated last week. Or you're looking or you're hitting your fist or you, are, you want to hit somebody. When you pick up a weapon or you're banging things when you're angry, you do that or we do that because we feel powerless. So what we do is that we control the atmosphere with that weapon. But really, that weapon or the banging of doors or whatever you choose to hit, it's a form of communication. So anger is also about what do you want to communicate to that person? Because with voices raised and emotions high, you cannot hear each other. And I shared last week that you don't even hear the Holy Spirit as well, the helper. He wants to help you, but we don't hear his voice. Because the alarm in our brain is firing. That's why God wants us to calm down. And in James 1.19, it says this, understand this. You are with me so far? My beloved brethren, let every man, brethren means he's speaking to the church, let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense and get angry. Because when you slow down, when you are angry, and you just are able to step back, I practice breathing. A lot of my friends laugh at me when I talk about breathing. But it's been research, and I, I read a book many years ago, research on, based on 911 emergency responders in the United States. There's a book about it called The Worst is Over. And they said a lot of people die at crash scenes or, or in emergencies. They don't die from their wounds. They die from not knowing how to breathe. Amen. So when you, because when you breathe or take in the moment, this is what it does. It also enables you to mobilize your resources within. Because what are your resources? Some of the things I'm sharing, the word of God, your perspective. So when you step back from the anger, you can then say things like, slow to speak, Jane, slow, Jane, slow. Or you say, anger is just an emotion. It's not real. When you slow yourself down and with practice, you can be angry and not sin. So it's, anger is about beliefs also and it's about perception. What do I mean by that? When something happens between you or anybody, 
your beliefs come to play. And we saw last week, I showed you that, that the, the way the brain processes is that ex- all external stimuli coming into us goes to where? The conscious part of the mind, the brain. And it doesn't just stay there. It sifts all that information in that brain based on your past experiences, your past beliefs. Then out of that, we have the, if need be, the anger response or whatever response. That's why the Bible continually tells us, be renewed, Ephesians 4.23, in where? In the spirit of your mind. Amen? So the new information, thank you, my lovely husband, for supporting me in this service. Because it's going to be very fierce here. I'm going to need you to help me. Don't be renewed in the spirit of your mind. means draw on you the new resources that are within you. So what? You don't sin in your anger. And Ralph Waldo Emerson says that for every 60 seconds that you are angry, you reduce your happiness by 60 seconds. And he says, finish each day and be done with it. Isn't that awesome? And the Bible says what? Do not allow the sun to go down on your anger. How do you do that? Agree to disagree with a person. So we'll talk about this. Because really, anger is that communication has been blocked. And when you communicate with a person, don't attack them. Attack the issue. I like to put it this way. Say it in the way that you want it heard. Did you get that? Not or something. Amen. Okay. So with that in mind, I hope all my church are not angry this minute. I was sitting at the airport once, I was reading a book, you know, and I, I said in the first service, these days I try and cover the back of the book I'm reading when I'm in public places, even though all of us peek at people's things on the train. So I was reading a book, it's about anger, and then this woman nudged me on the side, it's a big open airport place, she said, are you angry? <laughs> I said, no, not this minute. She said, I am. Yep. I said, you want to talk about it? She said, Yes. So we went to a corner. She was an air steward. Kofi said it was the pilot who upset her. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you think you know everything. And, and she proceeded to tell me about this man who had done all sorts of things to her. And she, da, 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 da. He says he's a pilot. And we talked and we talked. And then she went to board the flight that I was on. And then afterwards, we canceled for months on, online until she was in a peaceful place. You know, but anger is a storm within. That's what the book was called, the storm within. And sometimes people have a storm within. And what really is that the comforter, he wants to calm that storm within, if you will let him, if you will let him. Because it hurts us, anger. Amen? So with all that behind, and now we have peaceful people in our church this minute, I want to proceed and start with today's session. God help me. I will do it in the time finish on how to stay in peace and be able to carry your sword. Come with me, please, in your Bibles to Ephesians 6.16. Ephesians 6.16. I read. Lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench what? All the flaming missiles of the wicked one. The Bible is full of military language. We are in the war, and I know sometimes we don't want to talk about that all the time, but if the war has never been apparent, this is the finest hour where the church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to stand very fierce in this battle. Hallelujah. It says what? To quench what? All the flaming missiles. Look at how he describes it. Of who? The wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields, which is the word of God. Pray at all times, on every occasion, In every season, 
in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, he says also, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance. That means stay steady, constant, interceding on behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And verse 19, he says, and pray also for me. And I believe that's a prayer for the leaders who teach, like myself and all those who teach out there. Paul says, pray for what? Freedom of utterance that may be given to me, that I may open my mouth, what? To proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of the gospel. I want to go back, hallelujah, and look at it. And take the helmet of salvation. And then he says, and also take the sword which the spirit wields. So a sword throughout scripture are eternal weapons. We're going to see from the word of God. It says, lift up. What the word of God is saying is that all the time in this battle that we are in, he wants us to lift up the sword of the spirit. It means lift up the word of God. And use that to what? To be able to take on what? The flaming missiles of the wicked one. A sword is an eternal weapon. In the word of God, a sword is one of the pieces of the Christian armor. There are several other items in the armor. And for today's purposes, just want to focus on how to carry your sword in this spiritual climate that we're in. Hallelujah. And he says, pray at all times. That means that God is saying to his church in this hour that what? This sword must not be dropped, which is the word of God. He said, at all times means that, don't worry, I got this. The military man is right here. He'll cover me if I need be, and the Holy Ghost. He says, at all times means your sword is up. You are lifting up the word of God all the time. You're praying. If this is your position, you're praying at all times. He says, you're alert. You're watching. Why? Because the wicked one, the Bible says, he roams. He roams seeking whom to devour. So you can't afford, as a child of God, to be asleep, spiritually speaking. Alert. He says, watching. I didn't say at all times. How do you lift up a sword that you don't even know how to wield? How do you do that? We're going, that? It's going to be very pertinent in this season that you lift up a sword, which is the word, and also know how to wield that sword. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So let's look at a sword. A sword is an offensive and also a defensive weapon. As an offensive weapon, you use it to attack somebody who is coming against you. As a defensive weapon, you carry it just in case somebody is coming for you. It's there. It does both. The sword, metaphorically, in Scripture, also is that which can pierce the very spirit of man. The only thing that can get in is the sword. The sword is also what we use to form our prayers. Because you can't just be saying, oh, I'm so scared, God. Oh, I'm so scared. Devil, please go to number five. They don't go to church. Oh, I'm so scared. What is the word? What is the sword? Where is your sword? You can't just be saying anything in this season. He says, and pray at all times. A sword is the only thing that is able to combat all the lies of the enemy. When we have anxiety and worry, worry is what I said with you. It's a mental activity that circles a problem. It doesn't take you anywhere. It tells you you won't make it. The climate is bad. Everybody is suffering. Oh, the exchange rate is bad. Oh, you won't get any business. Oh, worry, lies, lies, lies. But God has said that in this season, my people, they don't retreat. They still go forward. Well, how are you going to go forward? If you know how to wield and carry your sword. But the devil is after that peace, that calm that he has given you. Hallelujah. 
The archangel Michael holds a sword all the time. He's a warring angel. And he holds that sword because it reinforces purity and the truth of God's word. Hallelujah. The sword in the word of God goes all the way back to our Genesis. Come with me, please, to Genesis 3, 24. Genesis 3, 24. I wanted to give you a definition of a sword. It's a, a, typically a long, straight, or slightly curved blade. It is sharp edge on one side, as this sword is, or sometimes it's on both sides are sharp. It is a symbol of military power. It is punitive. It also signifies authority. That's why if you want to carry your sword in this season to show that you are in authority. Are you in Genesis 3.24? I read. So God drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden the cherubim and a flaming sword which turned away to keep and guard the way to the tree of life. In the very Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't just put a metal sword like this. We just read it. He put what? A flaming sword. That's the protection. That's the power of the sword. And the sword turned either way and guarded what was God's. That's the power of the sword. In order to know how to use your sword, you have to, first of all, understand the season. You know, we dress naturally, what? For the season that we're in. I know it, it shocked us a few days ago. It's kind of coming back, the, the summer season here. Well, so it is, church, with spiritual seasons. Come with me in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 12, 32. You've got to know what season or what time it is, spiritually speaking. We know it, but some of us are asleep and the church is acting like it's not the hour that we're supposed to be in. And we need to be bold and fierce in this season because there is a war on. There always has been a war on, if you didn't know, between good and evil. And, and amen, and guess what? I'm not going down. I don't know about you. I am going down. Oh, somebody's going down all right. Oh, but it's not going to be me. And I'm not going to walk behind Green Park like I told you, scared anymore. No, no, no. I think I didn't take my sword that day, but I did pick it up later. So either you go down or somebody's going to go down. Because in the battle of good and evil, even in the movies, guess what? Somebody always wins and somebody loses. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah or oh me. First Chronicles 12, 32, the Bible says, And of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times, and they knew what Israel ought to do. That means a spiritual alertness. You know how you get spiritually alert? Oh, the comforter, the counselor, the guidance, the helper, the standby, the advocate. Oh, we call him the Holy Spirit. He tells you the time and the season. Only if you're what, listening to his voice. And men of Issachar, they always knew, the Bible said they knew what Israel ought to do. The use of going to a battle and not knowing what weapons are available or how to wield your sword. Let's look at second scripture, if you please. 2 Timothy 3.1. 2 Timothy 3.1. But understand this, that in the last days will come, will set in, the Bible says, what? Perilous times of great stress. Are we not experiencing that? Everywhere in the schools, in our homes, everywhere. Trouble of stress and trouble hard to deal with, the Bible says, and hard to bear. You see, God paints the picture prophetically for us of how the world and our world is going to be like. But here is the thing, church, I love about our Father. He doesn't just leave us. He gives us what we can use to run through and walk through this season. So what am I saying? Living in peace in this season is going to be about how you carry your sword. It's about how you live. It means how are you living? 
the, the psychologist magazine, April, I saw this quotation. It said that the deficit of happiness and the rise of mental health issues suggests that we are struggling with a wider discussion of spirituality and community. And you know, and I know, uh, several, I think last month when I asked how many children, we had the multi-generational service, and I asked how many young people had knew somebody in their school or their college that had suffered a mental breakdown or was struggling with something. You, you, you see the hands that went up? This is very close to us. You know, as somebody who counsels people as a therapist, it is very hard and very painful when somebody cannot live out of their soul. How can they get up in the morning when here doesn't work? When, when, it, when you are so depressed as depression is, you know, when you are below the water and you can't see a way out. It is very hard to sit in front. So I am really angry at the devil. And any opportunity I get, I'm going to slay him with my sword. Hallelujah. And that I'm going to give you three things about the word of God in this season. It is what we're going to use to navigate the season. Number one is that the word of God is so important. Come with me, please, in your Bibles to Psalm 138, verse 2. The importance of the word of God. Psalm 138, verse 2. If you're there, say amen. amen. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth and faithfulness. For who, God, you have exalted above all else your name and your word. You have magnified even above your own name. That's the importance of the word of God. God is saying that the word of God, and I take my very biggest sword for this, that the word of God is higher even than the name of God. He has exalted it. So when you lift up any piece of the word of God, you are lifting it up. It's beyond even God's name. In Genesis, we saw that God framed what? The very world that we see with his words. The Bible says that darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God what hovered over the waters and God spoke. We might as well say, and God lifted up his sword. Amen. Hallelujah. The word of God is so important. You have to know the word. Second Timothy 3.1 Lots of scriptures today, but I had to do that for you to understand this. This is very important. So bear with me. Running you all over your Bibles or your iPads or tablets. It's just a tap for some of you. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 3.1. But understand this. No, no, not that. Every scripture. 2 Timothy, I beg your pardon, 3.16. 3.16, I beg your pardon. Every scripture. Did he say some? No, come on, talk to me, church. Every word. Every part of the sword, he's saying, is God breathed and given by his inspiration. It is profitable for instruction, because that's what I'm instructed out of this hour. It is for reproof. Guess what? It's also for conviction of sin, or it corrects us and it corrects errors. It's for discipline in disobedience and for training in what? Righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, thought, purpose, and action. You see, what Christians have done, I was at an event yesterday, and I met this beautiful young woman. She said to me, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church much. And there are a few like that. And I also understand where she was coming from. I understood it. She said, because lots of churches don't preach the word, she said. They just give principles and, and few good statements. This is what he, we want, the word. Every part of it. You see, over here is a plastic knife. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to go to the devil with this, this word. This is not going to cut it. This is not what you need in this season. You want this, this what can this do? Even if I try to kill you with this, I won't do anything. 
Edward, you, you need to work on your fear. I've been teaching on fear for so long. Oh my, it's a plastic knife. I should mock you with, with my other plastic knife. I see you carry good money in your wallet. It's for training in righteousness. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is what righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Training in righteousness means rights and privileges. A lot of the way Pastor Kofi puts it that righteousness means rights and privileges that you have as a believer. So if you don't know your rights and privileges, how are you going to access it? You've got to know it. It's not just, oh, I think. The, so let's look at one. So the word is important. The next point I want to make is that is the power of the word. We, we need the full counsel of God. We want to use all of the word of God, not bits of it. Then the third point I want to make is the power of the word. Hebrews 4.12. Come with me, please, in your Bibles to Hebrews 4.12. I read, for the word that God speaks, that's what he's given us, for the word that God speaks is alive. It's not just a word. It's a word that gives you life. It's alive. It is full of power, making it active. It's operative. It's energizing. You think I'm energetic? Speak the word. You will see where real energy is about. It is energizing, and it says it is effective. If you haven't seen it, then you haven't spoken it. Not the way God says we should speak it. If you haven't seen it, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing line of the breath of life and soul and the immortal spirit and of joints and marrow and of the deepest parts of our nature. It exposes, it sifts, it analyzes, and it judges the very thoughts and purposes of our hearts. So what the word does is that really it's saying this word, if we lift it up the word, with the sword is the word of God. When you lift up the word of God, it can cut, it can penetrate anyway. It has energy. It has power with it. And it can, you can deal with your marriage with a sword. Oh, the sword is what you carry in your everyday life. It is this sword that brings strength and joy to your marriage. A warring sword. It's the same sword that will help your children walk in their destiny. This is the sword you carry to that boss, to that spirit that is against you. The word that is metaphorically speaking is the sword. It can cut anyway. We just read it. And it cuts where? Into the deepest part of our nature. Oh, friend, it can cut you where you have been depressed and wounded in your soul. It can go deeper where you have had mental, uh, mental trouble. This sword, which is the word of God, can go anyway. That is what you carry in your everyday life. Somebody said, hallelujah. I'm glad I have the sword. Let's look at one more thing. The sword is what you live by. I put down here. It's what protects your life. It is what you form. I already said that. Your prayers with. It pierces, oh, your heart as well and gives you correction. But it pierces in such a way that it doesn't wound you. It stabilizes you. And guess what? It brings you back to soul peace, hallelujah, and harmony. Only the word. So we, the believers, in this season where there's so much violence in our world, in our city, guess what? We don't live by the violence of the sorts of the terrorists. Oh, no. We need to be lifting, lifting, lifting this word. Lifting. There is not enough lifting. Yes, I hear you, Holy Spirit. There's not been enough lifting. There's not been enough lifting, he says. There's not been enough lifting. Oh, you have lifted my word, but there's not been enough lifting. You have not trusted me. Like the song that says, we forgive us, Lord. We have made you small. That this, we don't need to be scared to go to Central London for terrorism. 
We don't need to be scared of the financial markets. We don't need to be scared of business deals that we have in God for our children only if we lift our sword. That's what he's saying. Only if you will lift my sword. I formed this very world with my sword. And that's the sword I gave the church. Hallelujah. Therefore, in the times that we're in, it's the sword that needs to be alive in us. You know, when Kofi and I were in Bible school, we heard the story. He just came to my heart again. I told him in the first service that this pastor did a teaching about protection from Psalm 91. Christians who don't know the word, they love Psalm 91. You know, whether they understand it fully, I don't know. But this nurse was in the service. She was so tired. I think she slept most of the sermon. So she didn't remember. But all she heard was feathers. Because there's a part of Psalm 91 that says, like, he will cover you, <laughs> somebody's nodding, with his pinions. So she's coming from work in an alleyway. Somebody tries to jump her, Edward, not with a plastic knife, by the way. But somebody tries to snatch her handbag from her. She couldn't remember the words of Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. <laughs> if you don't know that, she said, feathers, feathers, feathers. <laughs> and you know, it worked. <laughs> the Bible says God winks at ignorance. But I hear I come to tell you today, that's not going to work this season. You have to know what sword to wield. And it's not just any sword. You see, the enemy who is out there, you need to be able to know how to use all your swords. You need to be able to have all your swords and know how to wield them. Let me describe the enemy that we have. Then I'm going to show you how he fights. Then I'm going to show you how you and I are to fight in this season. And it's going to be fierce in this place. Hallelujah. Don't be scared. You're in church. Some of you look so scared. <laughs> Satan is a thief. Yes. You're looking at a woman with a holy anger. That until he returns, I don't know about you, until he, Jesus Christ, returns or calls me home, I'm going to hold my sword up. I have been afraid for too long. Oh my goodness, too long. When he died on the cross to give you and I abundant, overflowing, enjoyable life. You have no need to be afraid. Someone said, hallelujah. I don't hear you, church. This should be a four, four boss of pounded yam should be coming my way for this sermon. <laughs> Second Corinthians 2.11. I think it's going to be an English rose, right, Preston? Yeah, I think so. I had the pounded yam yesterday. Yeah, I have to space it out, they say. Second Corinthians 2.11. Satan is a thief. Yeah, he is. And when you know a thief's strategies, guess what? What do we do in Ephesians? Be alert. You watch out. You, you listen to what the Spirit is saying. Second, Second Corinthians 2.11. To keep Satan from getting the advantage over us. For we are not what? Ignorant of his wiles and intentions. He is after Oh, he's not afraid of you per se or me. Satan wants the word that is in you. That word is what? Power. Energy. It's alive. Jesus said, John 6, 63, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are power. Whenever you speak the word of God, oh church, we're speaking power only if we will speak it. So Satan does three things. He comes to an oppress. You see, I read something. Oppressors are also scared people. Oppressors are bullies. They antagonize. Then they push you. And oppressors, what they do is that, and that's why a lot of Christians fall to oppressors. Being ignorant of his devices. Oppressors make you feel bad about your past. Or they make you feel bad about what you have done yesterday. But if you don't know how to wield John 1, 1 9, that you come, um, if you confess your sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive you. Or he says, come boldly, boldly, not ashamedly, boldly, to that throne of grace. Amen. Two things he says, 
for mercy when you need it and also help if you don't know how to wield that sword. So he oppress you. So he oppresses, he destroys, he wreaks havoc. He wants to wreak havoc or he wants to in your home, in my home, in your life. And then guess what? The last one is Christian's favorite in this season. He distracts. You see, a distraction could be a legitimate activity, but it distracts you from purpose. Purpose is what? Intentional, deliberate effort towards something, what you should be doing in this season. And this is what Satan does. You know, so one way that he gets to you is if you have offenses in your heart. You see, peace, I said it's a wall of protection. You wrap it around you and he can't get to you. Come to Ephesians 4, 27. You don't have to turn to it, but I read it two weeks ago. It says, leave no such room or foothold at all for the enemy. You see, Satan doesn't need a door to come to your house, to come into your life. All you have to do is just give him a foothold. Just a small thing that you do. And then he comes in and he builds what? A strong hold. Because when, he, when you, he gets a foothold, he's going to use it to take advantage of you. Psalm 119, 165, verse 165, the longest psalm in the Bible says, Great peace. Look at what it says. Great peace are those who love your word. And they are, there is no offense. I'm paraphrasing in them. Great peace comes to their heart. So is there offense in your heart? Because Jesus said it again, come with me, John 14, 13. I want you, I'm going to give you a lot of verses today. I have to, because I want you to see that we are in a battle that we, we already won, but we've got to stay on the edge. John 14, 30. Jesus said, I will not talk with you much more. For who? For the prince, the evil, what he calls him, the evil genius ruler of the world is coming. He's coming, and this was in Jesus' day. And he has no claim on me, Jesus said. He has nothing in common with me. He said, there is nothing in me that belongs to him. He has no power over you, over me. Does he have power over you? Then check your heart and there's no offense. Because when you have offense, in the same verse, Jesus said, and I also what I do or I do or I follow the instructions of the Father. Because when you have offense in you, he seals your peace. You speak the word, you hold your sword. And he says, who are you? Jane, I know. <laughs> Paul, I know. Edward, I know. Who are you? Your, the word, the sword is ineffective when there's offense. He can't cut him. Because remember, it's an offensive weapon as well. So what is your battle position? Well, I've been studying samurai, samurai warriors who come from an elite group in Japan. And, and, and samurai warriors, they practice something called freedom without fear. Freedom without fear. And, and, and samurai warriors, what they do is that... Is that they, they practice, okay, I'll, I'll get the sword there. They practice something from, from soldiers, which is that if you fear death, you will die. Yeah. If you fear death, you will die. And what samurai warriors will do is that they would name their swords. So what they would do is that they would, for example, name this sword courage. And they believe that if say, they named a sword courage, then the, the sword will embody the spirit of the name. And I, I was thinking about that, that the same could apply if we would take that word of God and name it to the things in front of us. That's why I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and nail it one final time on that cross today. And they would name, and they believe that that embodied, that, that, that sword carried that. And there's a definition that courage and bravery are two different things. You see, to be brave, listen to this, is to do something despite the fact that you are frightened. To be brave. To show courage is to do something that scares you. And it's a form of bravery. 
They're not the same. They're not the same thing. And in this season, God is wanting believers. Our battle position and the way to wield our sword. He said in Ephesians, stand therefore, stand therefore, and continue to stand. So what the word of God is that no matter what the enemy does, we keep standing. In, in, sword, in swordmanship, two swords crossed and lifted upwards means that Satan, I'm ready for battle. Bring it on. I thought I should embody the strength of the sword. Swords put down, two swords lift down means the battle is over. But here's my favorite. I believe that's the position of the believer in this season. Two swords lifted up and crossed midway shows that I am heralding the battle. I am saying, bring it on. If I was to be in my Nigerian spirit, my Olua Yemisi would come and say that, eh, you go beat me. Eh, you go see today. Ah, today, today, today. Oh, you go see. But I'm not in my village today. I've not gone to Abiyokuta for a while, so I have to just come back to Kilburn. Your battle position, whether you, like me, were raised by a grandmother who told you that your battle position was always on your knees and always, or you hold your position. That means you remain constant, stable, fearless. No matter what is happening. You said you fall, you just hold your position. You just hold your position with your sword up. What is the sword? The word of God. Because it's not you that's tired. It's the sword he's afraid of. Remember, it's the sword that you need to be declaring. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Then you put your sword down, but you're still alert. Are you getting this? Because prophetic people, they don't run away and retreat. Prophetic people, that's what we are, in case you didn't know. They always look up and then they begin to walk. They look up to their strength to the God of war himself, and they lift their sword and they walk through the sunless, the valley of the shadow of death. Because you, oh God, you are with me. I will fear no evil. And no harm will come near my dwelling place. A thousand will fall at my right and ten thousand on my left, but they will never come near me or my children. I didn't say this in the first service. It just came to my heart. It's of being scared for your children. Be scared about school. You can't protect them 24-7. Be scared about that. Guess what you do? You dress them in their armor at night. The word. You dress your kids in their armor at night. You can't protect them 24-7. I don't care who you are, how many guns you have. Even with this fake sauce. Excuse me. You can't. Dress them. Start, go home and dress your family in their armor. And I'm going to show you what the armor does. Hallelujah. Is this helping somebody? Yes. Philippians 1.28. Remember your battle position. Maintain it. Stay there. Stay cool. Philippians 1.28. And do not for a moment, not, do not for a moment, the word of God says, be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents and adversaries. That means stay constant. Hold your position. Hold your swords. Stay constant. Do not. For such constancy, this is the word, and fearlessness will be a clear sign and proof to them of what? Their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation and that from God. That you remain constant. It means hold your peace. So sword is not up there, but it's ready. Hold your peace. That's what it means. Remain stable and solid. We are people of faith. So no matter what is happening, what God is saying is that you keep declaring the sword, the word. We are people of faith. That means that what? We speak what and call for what we don't see. Faith calls forth. You say, but Jane, I haven't seen a manifestation of certain things I've prayed for. 
for my life, for my children. I haven't seen some things. Why is there still more terrorist attack? I, all I know is hold your sword. Hey, hold your sword. Hold your sword. Hold your sword. Hold your sword. Come with me into Revelation 1.16. I told you in Genesis, when they tried to destroy God's plan, what did he do? He didn't put a metal sword. He put what? A flaming sword in the garden. We began with a sword. Look at Revelation. Oh my goodness. It's going to end with a sword. Revelation 1.16, if you please. Hallelujah. In his right hand. Who do you think I'm reading about, church, for a minute? In his right hand, he held seven stars. Oh, my goodness. And from where? And from his mouth came forth a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining at midday. If you want to see how the midday sun shines, take a trip to Africa. It is raw in your face, sunlight. Jesus, the Bible says in John 1, Jesus was the word. And the word became what? Flesh. And the word came to dwell amongst us in our hearts. You see, Saul, he fell on his sword and he killed himself. But Jesus, oh, he fell on a sword, the cross, and delivered us. On the, so the sword is the cross. And the cross is your defense, brothers and sisters. It's your help in the season. It will carry you through whatever. And the Bible says that when John saw him, verse 17, he fell down as dead. That's the king that is coming. When I began teaching this two weeks, three, four weeks ago, I said Psalm 22 talks about the cross. If you remember and you were here, Psalm 23, he becomes your shepherd. He walks with you. And Psalm 24 verse 1 says, and the king of glory is coming again. Well, I don't know about you, but that excites me, church, that the king is coming. The king, who is the word? So whenever you lift up your sword, you are lifting up the one who fell on his sword. But he didn't remain there. He rose triumphantly. Hallelujah. I want to speak a blessing. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Yes, you can. Please, yes, you can. I'm preaching better than you are, you are expounding. Yes, you can. I want to close and speak a blessing over your lives before you come to the cross if you want to bring anything, any anxious thoughts, anything that has worried you for you, your children, your business, your family, anything. I want you to come and nail it on the cross. Hebrews 13, 20. And now may the God of peace, there he is again, he is the author. He initiated this, brothers and sisters. And he's the giver of peace. Who, brought, who was brought again from among the dead? Our Lord Jesus Christ. The word, he's also what? The great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood that sealed and ratified the everlasting agreement, covenant, or testament. May he strengthen you, my church family. And all of you out there, may he strengthen you. May he complete and perfect and make you what you ought to be. And equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will. That means that you can still lift your sword wherever you are tomorrow. You will carry the sword with you to your workplace. You will carry it on your journey. You will carry it in your schools, your university. And you will carry and complete his will. That may he work in you and you who accomplish what he has begun in you, that you do what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ the Messiah, to whom be glory and ever. So I came to tell you today, in order to stay in peace, you have to hold your sword. You have to hold your sword. You also have to lift your head eye. You have to carry your sword like a hero, 
not a victim, not scared of the devil. Carry, walk upright, lift your head high and lift up. Let's lift up the word again. Let's make the church this final hour, finer than ever as we wait for the return of the king. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We trust you were blessed by today's message. And if you would like to sow into our ministry, you can visit our website to give a donation. God bless you. Make sure you subscribe to our channel to hear more messages.